the reality is, is not all pet owners are pet parents. And we think you become a pet parent when you take the time out of your life and the dime out of your pocket to learn how to care for your pet in the event of a medical situation. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, we welcome Tom Soames, president and founder of Pet Tech, the first international training center dedicated to CPR, first aid, and care for dogs and cats. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love dog words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded, subscribed, rated, and shared dog words. Now that you're a follower of the podcast, take the next step and become a participant. Let us know what you want to hear. Go to rosiefund.org and send suggestions for topics and guests. Please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today on Dog Words, we're excited to welcome president and co-founder of Pet Tech, Tom Soames. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hey, Phil. Thank you for having us. We're very excited to be here. Obviously, I want to get into your background with pets in general and dogs in particular, but tell our listeners, what is Pet Tech? Pet Tech is the premier pet CPR first aid and care training on the planet. And Pet Tech came about, I always love talking about how Pet Tech came about because it's almost like the peanut butter and chocolate story. Mm-hmm. Pet Tech came about from the power of one question. And it was, will this work on my dog? Teaching a human CPR and first aid course, which is part of my background. This guy in my class goes, Tom, this is a great class, but will this work on my dog? And I went, a cha-ching. Now I make the joke there. But actually, I went, ding, ding, ding. Uh, there's a business here. And I went back to school and got my veterinary assistance. And then we have veterinarians who serve in our advisory council. So to date, we've actually uh, trained over 170,000 pet parents or pet care professionals in our program. And pre-COVID, because we are doing this during COVID, pre-COVID, every 42 minutes, somebody was trained in our pet tech program, which is something that impresses me. And the, the peanut butter and chocolate goes to me. I have always had a passion for emergency medicine, and I've had a passion for pets. I, I originally trained with the Michigan State Police, uh, specifically in underwater recovery, which means you used to go down and cut holes in the ice and recover dead bodies. Mm-hmm. So it's not too late for first aid or second aid or Kool-Aid. It was more like hot chocolate. <laughs> yes. It's cold. It's cold when you get out of the water, uh, when you're uh, going through the ice and whatnot. And so I've always had that passion, and then it was that power of one question that brought my two passions together, and we formed Pet Tech. Your passion for pets began when? Oh, wow. I, I don't, I think there was only a small time in my life when I lived out of the country that I haven't had a pet in some form, whether it was fur or feathers, or, you know, it was uh, in an aquarium or something. And uh, I, I do remember back, it was like the, we moved to this new neighborhood. I was really young. I won't even want to guess how old, but I had that little black plastic medical box, a bag. Yeah. Bag. I can picture but, it. I filled that with stuff to like take care of a bird that had fallen out of a tree. And then I think it was a friend's dog. Boy, I'm going back to the memory banks for this one here, but that was the thing. I knew that I had a passion for pets and, and 
not just, you know, loving pets, which, you know, we have that kind of uh, people pet bond, but that, that piece of your heart that wants to take care of them or, or nurture them, if that makes sense. Most people I know love people, but not everyone becomes a doctor or a minister or a therapist or some other people helping first responder. Not everyone does that. So there's a deeper level of passion, obviously, if you're taking these steps to make lives better for humans or animals. You talked about the uh, peanut butter chocolate moment, the asking the right question. It seems so obvious now, as most great ideas do after the fact, but if you're going to hire a babysitter and one of them says, I'm a certified CPR trained babysitter and another one says, I like to play Fortnite, you're going to hire the one that's certified CPR. But how often do we think about that with people who have responsibility for our pets, whether it's a dog walker or a groomer or other environments outside of a veterinary clinic where obviously they would know what to do? We just sort of take for granted that our pet's in good hands. Yeah, you'd never see me not wearing my pet tech logo. I mean, that's where I am. And when I go to the post office, people go, what's that? And I go, oh, we teach CPR and first aid for dogs and cats. And they always do the thing where they go, oh, you teach a dog how to do CPR and a human? And I'm like, I wish I could, because yes. I would be doing this from my own private island, probably yes. in the Mediterranean somewhere, because I could afford more than the Caribbean. Yes. <laughs> but it, it, people always kind of turn around and they're like, wow, I never heard of that. And we, we are kind of a have a bubble. We just think that, oh, it won't happen to me. Or I've had people seeing my shirt. Well, well I've never had anything happen to my pets. And I was always trying to be like politically correct and go, oh, well, that means you may be a good pet parent. I changed my strategy. Now I'm like, hey, fear sells. So I'm like, oh, really? Then you need to get to my class soon. <laughs> you yes. know, tell them they need to get into our training. But yeah, we, we teach over 50 actions for survival inside of our pet saver training. Of course, CPR, and we actually teach three styles of CPR. Like in human, we have an adult, child, and infant. But in the pet world, we have the, the, the size of dog, like the puppy, the kitten, you know, and, and large on how the styles we would do it. And we do mm-hmm. side to side, sternal like human, and then we have a taco technique for, for puppies or kittens, something very small. Do you have, if clients is the right word, um, people come to you for training, are they typically someone who works in an environment like a shelter or a groomer, or do you have just people who, I want to make sure I'm there for my pet? It's funny we to bring this up because we're just talking about our avatar for pet tech because we're updating our materials and we're updating our website. And it's kind of about 60-40, and it really should be the other way around. It's 60 pet care professionals and 40 pet parents. And it really should be the other way. We should be doing yeah. more pet parents. Yeah, there's way more people who have a pet who don't work in a groomer or at a dog park. Well, you know, it, it's. I remember going to this seminar and this guy goes – he goes, um, you know, the, the piece of the pie of the pet industry is so big. He goes, you can't even handle the crumbs on the knife that cut the piece of pie. That's how big it is, you mm-hmm. know, billions of dollars. And so the reality is, is not all pet owners are pet parents. And we think you become a pet parent when you take the time out of your life and the dime out of your pocket to learn how to care for your pet in the event of a medical situation, which is taking a, a pet CPR and first aid training like pet tech. Excellent point. And we've all seen it at the dog park or in your neighborhood. Someone who doesn't deserve their dog, 
they're not really a pet parent. Correct. Like you said, they're a pet owner. It's just a piece of property for them. It's not part of their family. I can't imagine that relationship, not caring about a dog in my household as much as I do a family member. Even if a dog is a guest in my house, even if it's not my dog, I feel just as responsible for their well-being. When someone takes the training, do they typically come to you just out of the blue or is there an inciting incident for a pet parent? Because a a groomer, I would imagine there's someone, whoever owns the grooming shop says, we got to have somebody, at least one person here who's trained in this or certified in this. What prompts the pet parent to take that step? The pet parent, usually it's some kind of significant emotional or medical event that takes place. Oh my gosh, the dog almost got hit by a car. Or uh, we went up north uh, some time ago and we took our dogs swimming in the river. It's an English Springer Spaniel. She's done it before. She was solid. But she got caught in a little bit of an eddy and she started doing a circle. We're like... Mm. Andori, this way, you know, then she was fine. But, you know, it's usually something like that where they have like a close call or something happens and then they feel helpless or hopeless that they didn't know what to do and then they feel bad. And it really, for pet care professionals, it's about raising the bar of pet care professionalism. You know, like I said, if if you're a babysitter, you should be trained. If you're a, a pet sitter, then you should be trained as well because most accidents don't tend to occur in that nine to five time frame when the veterinary office is open. It's those after hours emergency call visit that costs more time, more time to recover and and can be more painful for our pet. And even if the vet clinic is open, it's not across the street from my house. Correct. You got to get the dog in the car and you're wasting time figuring out what to do or is this serious enough? Would it be worse to get them in the car? Should I leave them where they're at while you're burning precious time? You're, you're, have you taken our course? <laughs> I, I'm certified in CPR, so I'm familiar with it for humans. And uh-huh. time is one of the most critical elements of any sort of emergency situation, whether it's CPR or getting a broadcast on the air. Time right. is of the essence. Yeah, we, we teach time is your biggest enemy. We have what's called the primary pet assessment so that in the first 12 seconds of you being on the scene, you can survey the scene. Make sure you have a safe approach. Make sure that it's safe for the pet and the bystanders are around. And within 12 seconds, you're going to know, is he breathing or not breathing? Do we need to go to CPR? Is it just going to be first aid? Or we have bleeding injuries we need to transport? So we immobilize and transport, treat the bleeding if that's what's going on. Immobilize restraint and immobilization so that we can transport to the vet. Contact the vet on the way to the animal hospital so that they can be ready. Because I have been on the receiving end of the pet emergency animal hospital and seen people come in with dogs dogs on the back of like sheets of drywall and plywood and even a crate one time, uh, like a shipping crate kind of thing. One of the things we teach in our class is you have way more resources available to you at any given moment in time. Mm -hmm. So stop and take a breath and now become more aware of those resources you have around you. Because just like a fight or flight or freeze, or you know, all these apps that we have that come into psychological bearing when we respond, it happens to us too. Our peripheral vision narrows down like this here. So I just see my pet here. We actually, this is a classic case to your point. Um, we had a woman who took our course because she actually saw her own dog get hit by a car. She was out in the front yard, watering the garden, beautiful. The dog was out there with her. Her son comes out the door, runs out the front gate, and leaves the gate open, you know, and the dog is always so good, except for this time, right? It just takes one time. Exactly, right? And he just bolts out the gate, goes to go across the street, and she sees a car go ba-dump, ba-dump, and run over her dog. 
all she can think about is her four-legged family member. And she drops the hose. She goes running out in the street, gets down to her dog like this here. And another car comes along and goes like this. And she goes, it stopped like 18 inches from her face. So, you know, in our primary pet assessment, we have you survey the scene. We actually physically have you move your head because we know your body is already working against you. So that you can survey the scene because if you get hurt, there is no K911 to take care of the pet. It's human life over pet life. It's- and they would first it's sort of like the uh when a cabin loses pressure put your face mask on first before taking care of your child that's because if something happens to you then there's no one going to take care of the child your instinct is oh i got to take care of my kid it's like no you got to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your kids so you can take care of your your pet and it's just a good lesson in life to be prepared for situations so you're not having to make all those decisions or react in the moment that you already know ahead of time, here's what I'm going to do because I've been trained. I love that analogy. That's so true. That is so true about that, like the airplane. you got to take care of yourself first so that you can then safely take care of them. Yeah, it's actually the least selfish thing you can do. <laughs> right. Is take care of yourself. Oh, no. Mommy doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> but you're alive. So that's, that's the trade-off. Not going to cash out your college fund. <laughs> so what is the process of training? Someone says, okay, I've either had this inciting incident or someone's told me this is a good idea. I agree. I want to go through pet tech training. What steps do they take? We believe in our, our classes through presentation, demonstration, and hands-on skills practice with coaching. Our course is going to give you those head, hands, and heart skills that you need. Like, well, you never forget how to ride a bike, but you still need to be refreshed a little bit those first, you know, 10 feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so but with us here, we run you through scenarios. We run you through skills. So you learn by presentation, demonstration, hands-on skills practice. So you do need to come to our class. We have over 500 active instructors and most of them in the United States. And then we're in about eight countries with our instructors teaching. We also have instructors in TSA in Homeland Security. And that's all I'm allowed to say. They're not on our website or nothing. I know it's because who are they? I can't tell you. But they teach some of their canine officers because those are expensive dogs to get their first day of work. And knowing CPR and first aid and care is cheap insurance to take care of your pet. So just go to our website and uh, you can search by zip code or state or put a radius around and you can find one of our instructors. Granted, right now we don't have as many. Like I said, pre-COVID, every 42 minutes somebody was trained in our program. But right now we don't have as many classes up. But I saw over the weekend several classes got posted. But usually at any given point in time, we have about 70 classes a week going. And of course, with COVID requirements varying across the country, Maybe you can just go across a state line or a county line, drive an extra 15, 20 minutes. How many sessions? How, what, what is the time commitment to do this? We have we have primarily have two primary classes. One is the pet saver training, and, and that is the, the big kahuna, if you will. It's our CPR, first aid, and then the two pieces of care that we have are caring for your senior pedicine, which is about developing a lifestyle that's uh, prudent for the pet to live a long time and, and for that people-pet bond. There's a lot of factors that come into play. And then we have a dental care aspect in the training as well because dental care, most people don't put their hands with intent and purpose inside the pet's mouth or take a look inside there. And, you know, pets have disease by the time they're three years old, which people go, wow, three years, it's only three years and they start having it. But, you know, I was kind of liking it back a little bit to the humans. Um, you know, 
if seven years, just broad stroking, it was one year for pets, and that's a broad stroke. That means that that pet is 21 years old when they start developing this. Where I always go, what would your mouth look like? And what would your mouth smell like if you didn't see the dentist or brush your teeth for the first 21 years of your Mm -hmm. life? Even just the first three. Yeah, there you go. Let alone the first 21, even if it wasn't dog years. So, yeah. Uh, So, it's been found that having good dental oral care can increase the quality of the pet's life, which by definition or in turn increases the quantity of the pet's life by 30%, which that's pretty substantial. I would love to have 30% return on my stocks or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Anyone would take that. Yeah. And you talk about, and it, it seems crass to reduce it to return on investment, but you do need to kind of frame things in that way. Is, is this worth it? I guess is what I'm saying. If you're going to great lengths to spend money, take time to do something, but it doesn't improve the dog's quality of life. What's the point? But if it's improving the dog's quality of life, and we do lots of little things like read the labels on dog food. Very true. Yep. Read the reviews for dog beds. All these yep. things that we want to make sure our dog has the most comfortable bed and the healthiest food. And you read Yelp reviews for the vets and do all these things for your dog's quality of life. It seems like it would be worth it to CPR yep. and dental care. I'll tell you my three-sided coin story, and this will kind of wrap up and bring together some of the things we've kind of been, you know, touching them on mm-hmm. through our chat here. Uh, our three-sided coin story is that the first, and I've had people say, there's not three sides of a coin. I'm like, hello, 3D world. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the one side of the coin is the side of the coin that people take our training. They learn how to do CPR first aid. Something happens with their pet. And they're able to save their pet, minimize the vet bill, maybe not even have to take it to the vet, you know, et cetera. And, and the pet is, is great. That's, that's cool. That's why we do what we do. The other side of the coin is that they do everything that we teach, but they're not able to save the pet. And we're very clear that you can't save every pet. And so they, you know, they did everything they could, but they weren't able to save the pet. And then the feedback we get when I talk about this, when I'm speaking in a band or in a class, they go, oh, so then did people sue you because your program didn't work? And I go, well, I agree. We do live in the USA, which stands for you sue anybody, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the feedback we've gotten actually on the one where they did everything they could and the pet didn't survive is we get a feeling of gratitude and appreciation back from them. Because they feel like they did everything they could in the last moment. Of that yeah, life. you're not asking, could I have done more? Correct. You that know you gave your pet the best chance. That's a harsh question. Mm-hmm. You know, could I have done more? Because that's, that, that's that terminal endless loop that just mm-hmm. never that's, that's one that needs medication. <laughs> yes. And then the third side of the coin is we can't measure that one at all. Because now that you're trained and you're learned, you know these skills, you know, you know that an other than conscious level, the potential dangers, because we teach that our dogs and cats are pretty much like toddlers. You know, they don't know that that car coming down the road, they don't have that kind of spatial awareness. The car coming down the road is going to run them over or that it's not going to stop. So that pet didn't fall on either side because that pet parent now is more knowledgeable mm-hmm. and stronger skill base and so that pet doesn't get into that accident in the next place if that makes sense yeah oh perfect sense it's the situational awareness that a first responder has even when they're not on the clock right (laughs) that they're they're looking for situations to avoid and how to mitigate risk 
just because they've seen what happens when things go wrong, they're more careful about avoiding those scenarios. A side story, but one of our instructors works the DEA, and um, we had dinner. We've had we've met him up at conferences, numerous conferences. We have dinner with him, we had lunch with him, and he always sits in the chair where you can see the entrance and you can always see the door. It's like he won't sit with his back to the door because of his training. And we're always, we always make jokes about that. But you're right. It's about making sure that you are aware of those things, those potential dangers for our pets. And if it puts you in a situation where you never have to use these skills you have, that seems like a best case scenario. You need to become an instructor. Because <laughs> I say that at the end of every class. I go, I hope this last eight hours has been a total waste of your time. And they're like, huh? Now they're like, now they look up. Like, what? What? You know, they do this kind of thing. And it's like, what I mean by that is I hope you never have to use any of the skills that we mm-hmm. learned today on your furry for like a family member. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you're like, not going to go home and say, okay, I'm just going to sit here and wait for my dog to go into cardiac arrest. Yeah. <laughs> but you also now don't have to worry, what do I do if my dog does go into cardiac arrest or is choking or is in a critical medical situation? It's really about recognition and recognizing it for what it is with the pet. And one of our biggest walkaway skills in our training is what we call the snout-to-tail assessment. And the snout-to-tail assessment, we have two of them. One is for wellness and then one is for injury. And you go from snout-to-tail, deliberate intent and purpose, looking for any injuries that the pet is not presenting to you so we could take care of those before we transport it or took it to the next level. Or if it's for wellness, it's about creating a baseline so that we know what's not normal. We can more quickly recognize what's not normal for our pet when we know what's normal for our pet. But the thing is, it's still true that most women in the household, they're the ones that recognize something wrong with our pet. To this day, it's still women who have that that intuitive almost touch Mm -hmm. with pets. Our dog got uh, the autoimmune hemolytic anemia, uh, Cindy, it's just like, there's something not right. Then we check the gums and they're really white. We're like, yeah, I didn't have the energy like this. And so we were actually on top of it very, very quickly. Because when we took him in, he was like, well, people don't see this until usually the dog collapses and things like that. So the early intervention is really key to having a more successful long-term outcome. Well, I can't recommend this highly enough. And full disclosure, while I am human CPR certified, I am not dog or any animal CPR certified. And I like to think of myself as someone who is good in a crisis and prepared for situations, but I'm ill-prepared for an emergency situation with my dog. So this is something that my wife and I are going to address. And anyone else who wants to look at what Pet Tech has to offer, we'll have a link to your website in our description. And as you indicated, you don't have to be living in uh, Tom's neighborhood. You can be anywhere in the United States and various places around the world and find the closest training opportunity for you to get certified. And we can get um, an instructor over to you to do a class. We can do a fundraiser. That's one of our most successful programs our instructors do is a fundraiser where a portion of the money goes to the charity. And then uh, we call it a win-win-win. The pet win because they now have a pet parent that's trained and the the organization wins. They make some money. And then the instructor is compensated as well for their their time and commitment to teaching pet tech. So we can get somebody over to you. We can chat off uh, <laughs> offline. <laughs> we, we will put that together. And if you are in the Kansas City area, we will definitely share updates on that on our social media. So if you don't already follow Rosie Fund on Facebook and Instagram, do so for updates. 
Maybe you can join us for certification and be one more solution for this world. Any final thoughts for our listeners, Tom? Just that, you know, taking our training, uh, we, we don't think our training is the end all, although we are the premier training in the world, and that's not me just saying that, is that we hope our training opens the door for you to have a stronger people-pet bond to learn more about how to care for your pet. And so it's a, it's a great entryway, if you will, into this world of, of caring for our pet as if it was a human we totally cared about. <laughs> or that we care about more. <laughs> <laughs> than, than many humans. I feel like I'm among friends here. So yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't feel guilty about saying that at all. Well, thank you again for taking time out of your day and thank you so much for making this available for people and what a great way to help the pets that are such a big part of our lives. Thank you so much, Tom. I thank you for doing what you do because I think our mission is improving the quality of pets' lives one pet parent at a time, and you're you're doing it here just one podcast at a time. And that's that's awesome and commendable. Thank you. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Tom Soames for joining us today. The description for this episode includes a link to PetTech.net. That's P-E-T. T-E-C-H dot net. A Pet Tech CPR certification session to benefit Rosie Fund is scheduled for 10 a.m. on Saturday, October 17th at Bar K Dog Bar. We'll share more details regarding price and registration on DogWords, or you can follow Rosie Fund on Facebook and Instagram. If you email rosiefund at gmail.com and ask for a CPR update, we will send you the Eventbrite link as soon as it's ready. If there is an enthusiastic response to this session, we will offer more. Next time on Dog Words, Quentin Scarborough tells us about the creation of the Paw Connects social community app and how your dog can get connected to other dog lovers. Don't wait for the interview. Go ahead and download Paw Connects on iTunes right now. That's P-A-W-C-O-N-X. Paw Connects. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Also, check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share. Please share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships. Then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions, including ideas for guests, at rosiefund.org. And let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening. And remember, we save each other. Mm-hmm.